Welcome to the Community of Hope Church podcast. Our church exists to interest disinterested people in Jesus Christ and they grow together into fully devoted followers of Him. So wherever you are, we hope you find this message helpful, practical, and applicable to your life. God bless. So we are right in the middle of our new series called Handoff that we launched last week. Pastor Dale kicked us off last week over here. Eric Stewart, Director of Student Ministries, who's sitting right there, kicked us off at the East Campus last week. They did a great job to give an introductory idea of what we're doing with the series with the handoff. And you saw from the video of what we're talking about, that we want to spend a couple weeks talking about how we as followers of Jesus, if you self-identify as a follower of Jesus at this point in your spiritual journey, how do we hand off our faith to others and do it the right way? Uh, Because there's a right way to share your faith in Christ, and there's a wrong way. Newsflash, nobody likes jerk Christians, right? (laughs) So we're talking about not only the importance of why we should share our faith, why we should share hope, why we should tell other people about Jesus. Because first off, can we just say that the greatest gift you could ever give somebody else is the gift of introducing them to a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's the best thing you could ever, ever, ever do somebody. Trust me, it's better than a gift card to Carabas, okay? It's the best thing you could possibly do. It's important. So it's not only important, but we want to know how we do it right. And that's why we're using the imagery of the handoff. Because you can botch a handoff. You can run a great race. If you botch the handoff, it's not going to be clean. So that's what we're going to be talking about. Now, something that we've done in both of our campuses, here at the West Campus in Loxahatchee, we have tags over here on boards with names on it. At the East Campus, there are boards on both sides of the sanctuary, I believe, that are over there. And we gave everybody tags last week. So if you weren't here last week, don't worry. You're not missing out. We'll help you find a way to participate with this. Is that we give everybody a tag. And on one side of the tag, we said, if you're already somebody who declares yourself as a follower of Jesus, because there's lots of people in our church where we invite people who haven't figured it out yet, who are still navigating faith, who might still have questions, who are still skeptical, or maybe you're brand new, or maybe you're here for the first time in a long time at church. If that's you, this is a welcome space for you. So for those of us who are identifying as followers of Jesus, we say, okay, here's a tag. On one side, write the name of the person who helped introduce you to a relationship with Jesus Christ. Write the name of the person who handed off well to you. For me, I was in attendance last week, and so I wrote on my tag, I wrote the name Sue Miller. Do you know who Sue Miller is? Sue Miller was my fifth grade Sunday school teacher. And I hated going to church. God has a sense of irony now, here I am. But I hated, hated going to church most of my life until I went to Sue Miller Sunday School class, and she loved kids, and she loved the Bible, and she loved Jesus. And when you put somebody like that together, she put an excitement for the Bible in me, and I knew it wasn't just learning about religion. I felt different when I was looking at a Bible in her room. It was God's presence. And she was the first person to start doing a handoff to me. So I wrote Sue Miller on the name of the tag. On the reverse side of the tag, we told you, write the name of a person who you would love to see, or you would love to come to see have faith and hope in Jesus, just like you have found. So we told you, you know, like, uh, if you don't feel comfortable writing the actual person's name, you could write down, like, a fake name, like, I'm thinking of, I'm just going to make a name up. My Uncle Jim, I want Uncle Jim to know Jesus, but 
I'm just going to write Spider-Man because I know it's Uncle Jim or whatever. People, people did that. And so what we're doing as a visual sign of prayer, we put tags on a board here at West and both sides at East as a visual prayer of, Lord, I'm praying for this person that there's a handoff of faith to their heart. So we're keeping that idea before us all series long. We're going to be talking about prayer about this throughout the series. So now what was ironic last week was I was in attendance here at the West Campus. Um, I was off last weekend, and uh, I was sitting over on this side of the room, and as Pastor Dale was talking about the idea of the handoff, and he was talking about how, uh, if you were here last week, how he had a procedure on his vocal cords. This week, we're going to talk about that in just a minute. And he always said, yeah, Pastor Trevor's going to be doing a little bit more preaching here at the West Campus. I thought, this series has dual meaning. Wow. Oh, I literally walked up to him during the middle of the last song before he was about to go up and pray and I put my arm around him and said, hey man, love you, buddy. I love you too, man. I went, Dale, look, we didn't plan it this way, but it's like a handoff of faith and you're having to do a lot of hand and off right now in this season to me. And he looked at me, he's like, I know people are actually going to think we're smart. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of Dale, first off, he's streaming right now. Hi, Dale. Hi, Dale. We love you, man. Um, let me give you an update on him. Uh, he had a procedure on his uh, vocal cords. Uh, some of you didn't know about this, but we've been talking about it from here and there, so you might have missed. That's okay. Um, he grew uh, nodules on his vocal cords from just preaching the message of Jesus for 23 years in Palm Beach County. That's rough on your vocal cords. Um, so he had to have a procedure to fix something that was going on. It went great. All is well. Praise God. Can we thank God for guarding Dale? Yeah. So he's at home now resting. He's on 10-day vocal rest, so he can't say a single word for 10 days. Don't laugh so loud at that. Ha! Okay. Um, he's on vocal rest right now, and then uh, he's not going to be able to speak for a couple of weeks, and then, you know, because all, all went well, we expect him to be back in the rotation here in just a little bit. You won't even know. He'll be back a little bit down the road. Um, but because he's at home uh, resting, he can't talk. And so first off, uh, when I've been checking in with him and Beth, they wanted to just... Uh, send, have me send a message to all of you. So all of you here, all of you at the East Campus, everybody streaming online, Community of Hope, you are a crazy loving church. You are a crazy loving church. They have been overwhelmed with people's prayers, with their kindness, with calls before the surgery, <laughs> um, calls and texts and notes and emails. And you guys are just like the most loving church. It's awesome to be a pastor at Community of Hope. It's awesome. Can, I, can we just thank you? Thank you. Thank you so very much. So um, one of the really thoughtful things that so many people have done is people like, Dale's, Dale can't talk for 10 days. We know what Beth will need and what he'll need. They're going to need a whiteboard. Well, he has like a stack of 10 whiteboards now uh, for, to write messages on there like, Beth, can I have a glass of water? Or, um, hey, should we watch this on TV? Or, you know, so he tries to write messages on whiteboards. But the one thing none of us considered with this whiteboard idea, which was a brilliant idea, is that if you've ever seen Dale's handwriting, it's ineligible. I joke, if you're on staff, you know, I joke, Dale writes in Farsi, okay? So he tried to write a message and send it to you all today, and this is what he sent on in. <laughs> I will pay you $5 if you can interpret that. Okay. Sorry, Dale. I had to. All right. So Dale is doing great. Keep praying for him. Keep praying for his recovery and healing and all that stuff. So thank you so much for that. Well, um, enough of that. 
uh, I have, before we jump into handoff for today, um, I have very exciting news for our church for you. I cannot believe I get to be the one who gets to say this to here, our West Campus, our East Campus, and online. Oh my goodness. I'm so excited about this. Um, guys, God is growing our church. God is growing our church. Uh, right now, we are one church worshiping in two locations here in Loxahatchee and at West Campus. In just a few short weeks, we're going to be one church worshiping in two locations now in two languages. So um, today, it's my honor and privilege to announce that we're going to be debuting Community of Hope Espanol in just a couple of weeks. Isn't that cool? So here's the deal. There's a local uh, Latino congregation that is going to be joining Community of Hope. A few years ago, the pastor, who I'll introduce to you in just a second uh, on our screen, uh, this pastor approached us and said, uh, my church would like to become part of camp. Not that we want to worship in your building. We want to become part of community of hope. We believe in what God's doing, and we want to join your family of faith. Imagine this. Let's imagine here that a family, a Latino family, arrives at the East Campus. Did you know at the East Campus that if you drive 10 minutes in any direction around the East Campus, it's 50% Latino? And so if we're going to share the message of the hope of Jesus Christ don't you think we shouldn't exclude half the neighborhood because we only speak in English? It's profound. So imagine this. A Latino family arrives on the east campus of our church. And as they walk up, as they park their car and they walk up, the family can choose whoever's heart language, even if they're bilingual, whoever's heart language is Spanish, that they can go to this area for the worship service in Spanish. And if their heart language is English, they can go to this service in English. At the same exact time, the same service with the same values, the same mission, the same vision, the same similar service, the same sermon series, just like how Dale and I do here. What's preached at West is preached out East, which is what will be preached in Spanish. And the family can leave there together. Even though they worshiped in separate languages, they're still worshiping at the same church. Isn't that cool? That's cool. So... So let me introduce to you uh, who will become one of your new pastors here in just a few short weeks. This is Pastor Ephraim Silva and his wonderful wife, Betty. They're a great couple. Let me tell you a little bit about them. Pastor Ephraim, he's a wonderful, kind, strong man of God. He's got good hair too, right? <laughs> um, they've lived, uh, they, he, he's from Venezuela. And uh, he married his lovely wife, Betty, in 1980, and they've lived in the United States since 1989. They have three wonderful children, Ibet, Ephraim, Antonio, Ephraim, Antonio, and Daniel Alberto, and he has eight, eight grandchildren. How about that? He's been the pastor of this church, uh, this local congregation, since he started it in 2005. And Ephraim's passions are his family and making disciples for Jesus. And let me tell you, he's an excellent gardener. I've been to his house. Oh my gosh, his house is beautiful. Um, so he's a great guy. You're going to love him as one of your pastors. He's bilingual. From time to time, he might preach in English over here. We'll see. Um, so they're going to be joining over at the East Campus. You should have gotten a letter about this probably Friday or Saturday in the mail. If not, we're going to have letters at the welcome desk at the East Campus for you with all sorts of information about this. They'll be um, moving on to our property beginning worship on Sunday, April 7th, but we won't officially debut them as Community of Hope Espanol until sometime after Easter. So would you pray for them and pray for their transition? Can we do that? Great. Awesome. Awesome. It's very exciting. Now... Um, 
For everybody in our church at East Campus, you should have gotten a letter about it, and we have letters at the welcome desk. For everybody, West, East, and online, you'll be getting an email on Monday if you're part of the Monday Connect Great. If you haven't signed up yet, just go online. You can sign up for the Monday Connect email, and there'll be more information that'll be going out on Monday about this. So can we thank God for all that he's doing here? Isn't that great? That's great. Awesome. Okay. Back to handoff. We're talking about handing off our faith. So our theme verse for the sermon series comes from 1 Peter 3.15. So we're going to be working on trying to memorize this as a church over the next several weeks. Um, I'm reading it this morning because I'm still working on memorizing it. So it's okay. All right, so 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. We're going to read this out loud all together now. This is what we're going to focus on over the next couple of weeks. Here we go. Ready? Go. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. That's important. We want to learn how to be ready to share hope. We want to learn to be ready to share the reason behind the hope that we have. We want to be ready to share hope with gentleness and respect. See how there's all this language in there. It's like, hey, go tell people about Jesus. There's nuance in it. We have to learn how to be careful. So that's what we're going to be talking about. Now, our passage for particularly this morning comes from Mark chapter 4, uh, verses 26 through 29. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open them now on your phone or they're on your sermon sheet. If you haven't pulled that out yet from your Connect folder, however you read the Bible, just get your eyes on it. Uh, Mark is one of the four ancient biographies of the life of Jesus. Name them if you know them. There's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Mark is the first gospel that was written. It's the oldest of the four. Uh, a lot of Mark's gospels often the source material for a lot of what's in Matthew and a lot of what's in Luke. If you've ever been reading through them before, like, man, that really sounds familiar. It's because Mark was the first one written. And when Matthew wrote his and Luke wrote his, they started with a lot of Mark and included their own material into it. So this is a parable that Jesus is uh, sharing. This is a story that Jesus is sharing about, about how people grow spiritually. He talks about this is what the kingdom of God is like. And this is often called the parable of the growing seed. Parable of the growing seed. All right, so verse 26. He, Jesus, also said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man, scattered, a man scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he doesn't know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain. First the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it, because the harvest has come. So the title of this morning's message, uh, we're calling Handoff. Or, excuse me, All By Itself. All By Itself. Would you pray with me? So, Lord, we thank you for all that you're doing in our church, all that you're doing in Palm Beach County, and all that you're doing in our lives. You are good. I thank you how we've encountered your presence already this morning in worshiping you through building of relationships in this room, of singing songs to you, of praying to you, of giving to you, of hearing your word. Lord, now we open our hearts to hear from you. Not from me. We want to hear from you. So come, Holy Spirit. We are here, but we ask you to come now in a special way and speak exactly what we need to hear. 
change our thinking to the way you think, conform our hearts to your hearts and our lives to your life. We're open. It's in your name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Well, everybody, happy St. Patrick's Day to you all. I'm wearing green. I hope you wore green today. For those of you who did not, don't worry. No one will pinch you in this church. Um, I grew up in a really festive home that celebrated every single holiday. If there was a holiday, we celebrated it. We decorated for it. So I grew up in a house that really loved St. Patrick's Day. And yes, I know it's partly because I'm Scotch-Irish, way more Scotch than Irish, but still, it's in there. So we celebrated a lot. Now, St. Patrick's Day is kind of a weird holiday. Like, we celebrate it for all sorts of stuff. It's mainly kind of become culturally, uh, in our part of the world, it's a celebration of Irish culture. Uh, For instance, in Chicago, did you know that they dye the river green in the middle of the city? This is what the river looks like in Chicago right now. They spend tax dollars on that. Uh, So people do weird things around St. Patrick's Day. Um, The traditional meal that people are supposed to have on St. Patrick's Day is corned beef and cabbage. Who's having corned beef and cabbage later tonight? Lots of hands, lots of hands. Um, People also celebrate St. Patrick's Day by drinking copious amounts of green beverages. Um, People do all sorts of weird and strange things about St. Patrick's Day. Have you ever thought about why we celebrate St. Patrick's Day? Is it just an excuse for all of us to be Irish for a day? Somebody said yes. Oh my gosh. No, there's more to it than that. Um, Here's uh, an artistic rendering of St. Patrick. It's a painting of him. Um, Now, who was St. Patrick actually? Well, if you just, in common lore, most people don't even know why we do St. Patrick's Day, but if you might know why we celebrate St. Patrick's Day, it's because, ah, he drove all the vipers from Ireland. There are no more snakes in Ireland, and he drove them from them. Which, by the way, I learned this from National Geographic this week. There are literally no snakes in Ireland. Did you know that? Like, none. Like, not ever. Ever, 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 and not now. There are no snakes in Ireland because, like, the species can't, deal with the climate. So it's not that it's not that St. Patrick drove them all away, it's that they've never been there ever in the history of the world. <laughs> so what is it? It's an allegory for what the man did spiritually. St. Patrick is a Hall of Fame Christian. Let me tell you about his story. Did you know that St. Patrick isn't even Irish? He's English. St. Patrick, let me tell you a little bit of a story. Um, he uh, grew up as a young man and a part of England, and uh, he didn't really grow up in church. He kind of nominally did, but as a teenager, the faith of his family, his grandfather was a priest, and his parents had faith, but he just really kind of didn't care, and it was ingrained in him, but it didn't stick. It wasn't important like so many of us in our stories, right? Um, Well, when he was 16 years old, pirates from Ireland abducted him and kidnapped him and stole him from his family. It's gut-wrenching and tragic, and he was forced into slavery. And he served six years as a slave in Ireland herding cattle. And when you are a slave in Ireland in the 300s, you ain't got nothing to do but be outside and see God's beautiful, green, rolling hills of Ireland. There was no Netflix then. There was no Instagram then. He was just out in God's creation. And being in God's beautiful creation in Ireland is a beautiful land did something in his heart. And what was ingrained in him as a child but didn't stick began to blossom. 
and grow from within him. And he gave his life to Jesus Christ. And he learned how to talk to God. And he learned how to hear God talk back to him. He developed a relationship with him. And then one night, as he was sleeping, in a dream, the Holy Spirit came to him and told him, Patrick, now's your chance to escape. Get up, there's a boat waiting at the dock, and you could get on it right now and leave. He got up, there was a boat, and he got on it, and he escaped. He decided to go into the ministry. He wanted to dedicate his life to serving God's people, to serving God's church. He went to the equivalent of seminary in that day and age. And in the middle of his training for ministry, St. Patrick had another dream from the Holy Spirit. And it was a dream of the people in Ireland, his captors, the people who held him in slavery. In the dream, he saw them begging him to come back and bring the gospel to them. And in essence, the Holy Spirit was asking him, do you love me and my message so much that you'll go back to the land of your slavery to bring them the hope that you now have? And he said, yes. And St. Patrick went to Ireland, and let me tell you, if we're talking about the handoff and how to hand off our faith and how to share the message of the hope of Jesus in ways that are winsome, practical, helpful, inspiring, there might not be anybody better at it in the history of the world than St. Patrick. We celebrate St. Patrick's Day because the man was an anointed evangelist of the gospel of Jesus. Let me tell you how successful he was. In Ireland, at the end of his life, he had planted 700 churches. We think we're doing great when we've got two in two languages. St. Patrick was one church in 700 locations. Dale and I are slackers. He ordained 1,000 priests of the 150 Celtic tribes in Ireland, he had converted about 40 or more of them to become fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. One Irish historian writes this way. He says, most certainly Patrick did not succeed in converting all the heathens of the island. I like they said the heathens. But he won so many of them for Christ. He founded so many churches, ordained so many clerics, and kindled such a zeal in men's hearts that it seems right to believe that to him was directly due the wonderful outblossoming of Christianity which distinguishes Ireland in the following ages. He was so good at handing off the message of Jesus that he is almost single-handedly responsible for Christianity exploding in Ireland. And now, 1,600 years later, Christianity is still rooted deeply in that country. One man's life. This is why we celebrate St. Patrick's Day. Not because green is the best color, but because of the handoff. What if... What if we, as a people of Jesus, who, in this little part of his vineyard, a community of hope, here in Loxahatchee and at West Palm Beach and wherever you're streaming online, what if we ask God for the spirit of St. Patrick to come upon us and to reach this county, to reach this people, and to reach all the loved ones in your lives? What if we ask God to do that? What if? It would change everything. So what does this have to do 
with a parable of a growing seed. And what we talked about today. How can we learn? What's the first step to learning a good handoff? What's the first thing that Patrick understood that we can learn from him, that we can learn from Mark chapter 4? Well, let's dissect it. So Jesus is talking about this metaphor, this parable of how things grow in God's kingdom. When he's talking about somebody spreading seed everywhere, that's a symbol for how the message of Jesus goes out. The message that Jesus, through him and what he achieved on the cross and his resurrection from the dead, how people can be forgiven of our sins, that the past that we've carried with us with our guilt and our shame, that that can be wiped out for free by grace through faith. And that hope and healing are found in him, not just the forgiveness of our sins, but how every broken piece inside of me that God wants to put back together again and not only give me a hope and a future and the life to come, an eternal life, but right now, Jesus has hope for me today by reconciling me with a God who made me and loves me. When that message is shared with people, it's like somebody spreading seed. And when somebody hears that, In any way, shape, or form, you're the soil. The seed is the message, and a human heart is the dirt. (laughs) I called you dirt. (laughs) That's the heart. Depending how open or receptive your heart is, is how well you take in the soil, or how well you take in the seed. It's not the seed's fault, it's the heart's fault. And when a heart is receptive to the message of hope of Christ, I could be forgiven of my sins. I could be reconciled to God. I can have a hope and a future. And it takes root and a crop comes up. And that's a sign of somebody saying yes to becoming a follower of Jesus. Now, what's interesting, he says, all on its own, all on its own, the soil produces a crop. Now, if you read that and go, really? All on its own? It made your head tilt and made their help too. What Jesus is trying to do is share how, what's God's part and how people grow spiritually? What's God's part? See, later on in, there's another passage of scripture that takes up this metaphor. This is in 1 Corinthians 3, 5 through 9. It says, what after all is Apollos? And what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe as the Lord has assigned to each his task. I planted the seed Apollos watered up, here's that language again, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to our own labor. We are God's co-workers, or we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. God's the one who makes things grow. So here's all I'm trying to do today. I'm just trying to say one thing, one thing today. Just one. If you understand this basic, simple principle, this is the foundation to having a good handoff. It's just one thing. But if you get the one thing, you're going to become great at a handoff. It's right this. God is already at work. God is already at work. That's what Jesus is trying to say. Somebody plants a seed, somebody waters it, yeah, and all its own grows. No, it's not all on its own. It's God who's already at work in the soil. God who's already at work in people's hearts to make people grow spiritually, to wake people up spiritually, to have people see the hope of Jesus. God is already at work in every single human life that has ever lived to whisper them to maybe in hopes that they would find faith in his son. 
Theology nerds in the room, we call this prevenient grace. It's the grace that God pours out on human lives before we become followers of Jesus. Listen to this. This is John chapter 1, verse 9. This is John Wesley's quintessential verse around this idea. It says, the true light that gives light to ah, everyone was coming into the world. If there is light that gives light to everyone, it means God is already at work. My favorite passage about this is 2 Samuel 14, 14. It says, like water spilled on the ground, which cannot be recovered, so we must die. But this is not what God desires. Oh, I just love this. I just love this. He, rather, he devises ways so that a banished person does not remain banished from him. Do you want to know what heaven's like right now? It's not babies playing harps on clouds. This is what heaven is like. It's a table with three chairs around it. With the Father, the Son, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit sitting around it, and they're having a strategic planning meeting. And where they are lovingly scheming, devising ways for somebody to come home to him. That's what heaven is like. If you're somebody in here who is already a follower of Christ, you're here because early on in your life, God lovingly schemed and conspired ways to bring you home to him. If you're not yet a follower of Jesus here in this room or streaming online or at the East Campus, if you're not yet a follower of Christ, right now what God is doing in your life is lovingly scheming and devising ways to bring you home home to him. God is already at work. Last night, we baptized a young boy named Nolan. He was eight years old, wanted to give his life to Jesus. Isn't that awesome? You know how he and his whole family have come to faith? It's because one day he just looked at his mom and dad out of nowhere, out of the blue, with no prompting whatsoever and no church experience or church involvement. said, mom, dad, I want to get baptized They weren't going to church anywhere. But this kid just had this desire because God was at work. And what do you know? The friends they were at the school that they go to is a family deeply dedicated to community of hope. So why don't you come to our church? We baptize people at our church. The first day they came, the father, the family hadn't gone to church in years because the church he grew up in said, if you ask questions, you can't believe. No questions allowed. None at all. He grew up in the Lutheran tradition. Not every Lutheran church is like that, but his was. No questions allowed. Questions are bad. When he comes to our church and he hears the pastors up front go, we love questions. Questions are good. Don't check your brain at the door. And by the way, let us tell a story about Martin Luther from the very same tradition he came from. It was like all these dots that they had in their lives that all started to connect together in their boy's life and their life and his life. It's because God is already at work. You want the, how do I say this? Do you know what the logical conclusion says? If God's already at work, what does that mean? It means it's not all up to you. It's not all up to you. I remember when I was thinking about this verse and I was journaling on it. This is my pretend journal. I was like, oh, that's interesting. God's the one who makes people grow. 
Oh, God has a huge hand in this part of people coming to faith in him. Oh, great. God is already at work. And I asked, God, how do you want to apply this to my life? I just felt him whisper to me, Trevor, stop thinking it's all on you. And we all need to hear that. If you think this endeavor of the handoff is all on you, you know what you'll do? One of two things. You'll either freak out because you'll be nervous and you'll weird somebody out or you'll be over-controlling and try to force conclusions on people because you think it's all on you. But if God is already at work in the lives of the people all around you who have yet to develop a relationship with Jesus, you can be at rest and you can do the simple thing. Just trust that he's at work. When you trust that God is already at work, you'll do three things. You'll give people freedom. Statistics say the number one quality that non-Christians in our culture right now, this is brand new research and data, the number one thing people say, like, yeah, I would listen to that person if they shared with me about Jesus. The number one quality, it's somebody who doesn't force a conclusion. You won't be anxiously like, what's it going to be right now? Jesus or not? Heaven and hell. You decide. What's it going to be? I decide for you to get out of my face right now. (laughs) You'll give people freedom. If you trust that God's already doing something, man, you're going to be relaxed. You're not the one who's primarily at work. God's at work. You're just joining in in what he's doing. You'll be relaxed, and you will take great risks that you would never do otherwise. If you believed that in heaven, there's already been a strategic planning meeting about this person's life, you'll be able to take a step of faith and maybe invite somebody to church. Or you could take a step of faith and share why you have hope or what Jesus has done for you or how you've healed your heart or why you believe this actually holds intellectual water or why you go, you know what? I lovingly disagree with that and here's why. You'll take a risk. And so it's just this simple yet profound truth that you've got to know as we move forward. We're going to get really practical in this series. We're going to tell you how to pray for those who are not yet followers of Jesus in your life. We're going to tell you how to share your faith with your family. We're going to tell you how to share your own story. We're going to get into all the hows. But for today, it has to start with this truth to frame the whole conversation. God is already at work. It's not all up to you. Trust him that he's already at work. And then finally this. You get to join him. And you get to look for ways where God's at work in people's lives. And you're not the one who's going to make it grow. But your job is just to step in and help them connect the dots of God's grace and how he's been at work and help them open their eyes and see. It's as simple as that. So at all of our occasions, the band is going to come out and they're going to lead us in a song. And this is a time of reflection and prayer. Um, I want you to think about, one, who is it in your life that you're wanting to find the hope in Christ? How might God be working in their life? And how can you take a step to trust him? Let's pray. Lord, I pray two simple things. First, for my friends who are here, streaming online or at the East Campus, 
uh, for those who aren't yet sure about you, who are interested but still have questions or ready to explore more. For them, Holy Spirit, would you show them how you're already at work in their life to bring them home to you? Reveal yourself to them. And for all the rest of us, Lord, show us now in our hearts of how you're asking us to trust you with the people who we love and how we can let go. No, it's not all up to us, but how can we join you in your endeavor? It's in your name we pray. Everyone said amen. Would you stand if you're able, please? As always, we have friends here on the side of the room who love to pray with you about anything you have going on. If you have a family friend or a loved one who you want to pray for, you want to pray for the handoff, they would love to pray with you for them. If you're somebody who you haven't said yes to putting your trust in Jesus and you want to do that actually today, you want to take the handoff, they'll love to help you do that too. Otherwise, would you prepare your hearts to receive this benediction? May you go forth from this place into the fields, spreading the seed of the message of hope of Jesus. May you go forth in the spirit of St. Patrick. May you go forth in the spirit of love and joy and peace and gentleness and respect, spreading hope to everywhere you go and handing off to everyone you meet. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And everybody said, amen. Friends, happy St. Patrick's Day. We'll see you next weekend.